You're listening to Square One, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs, investors, and operators at the cutting edge of business. I'm your host, Ramin Shah. The last decade has seen significant change across virtually every function in business. The evolution of marketing, sales, customer success, product, and operations departments has been tremendous. HR, on the other hand, has been a laggard. Historically a back office cost center, typical HR organizations have followed the mandate of being compliant, administrative, and just doing less. However, in 2018, this is all changing. In a world where the leverage in the war for talent has shifted to employees, HR is becoming a strategic asset. Companies are understanding more and more that above all, they're in the people business. And this mindset shift has pushed HR to focus on employee experience, improving engagement, and overall organizational health. In episode 30, we unpacked all these dynamics and how software plays a pivotal role in the new HR world order with Jack Altman, founder and CEO of Lattice. Lattice offers an elegant user experience on the front end with a rigorous data engine on the back end to help organizations drive best-in-class performance management. So without further ado, Jack, welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Jack, I'm excited to have you on the show today to dive deeply into a topic that, you know, I don't think we talk about enough in the business world, which is people management. And we'll, we'll jump into Lattice in a minute. But before that, tell us a little bit more about your background, your time at Teespring, and how it led you to founding Lattice. Yeah, so I joined Teespring when we were around 15 employees. And so we were growing quickly. We were clearly ready to start scaling. Um, and over the course of the uh, two plus years that I was there, we grew to hundreds of employees. Um, and so going through that process let me see all these different aspects of management in a very compressed period of time that would have been hard to see otherwise. So becoming a manager and then a manager of managers, seeing what happened as we tried to scale the company but maintain alignment, how the goal setting process worked, how we dealt with competition, and how we dealt with promotions, all of these things that you don't think about um, when you're starting out a company, but that become extremely important as you grow. Those are the things that really stuck out to me as things that I was both passionate about, wanted to solve, and believe that there are, there are standard ways to do these things well. Um, and so that was kind of the, that was sort of the inspiration for, for Lattice, was feeling that experience as part of one of these really fast-growing companies that deals with all this management stuff in a compressed period of time. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, I think, a lot more when we actually jump into Lattice, but um, it's something of a phenomenon that I think you're seeing a lot more in HR generally today, right? So, you know, before we jump in, let's let's set the stage a little bit with what's going on in HR. You know, HR's changed a lot since the recession hit a decade ago. It's moved from a function that was focused on compliance, administration, you know, really doing less, which is a traditional characteristic of a back office cost center to understanding employee experience, improving engagement, and, and really being a strategic lever, I think, in the war for talent. Um, so what was the change in the market that kind of caused this shift? What are you seeing from your perspective? Yeah, so I think there's a couple reasons why essentially the shift has gone from HR being compliant back office, thinking about sort of optimizing for the company to you know something a bit higher up on now you might say there, we're, you know, now we're focused on how do we help people grow, how do we help employees have career paths and develop. HR has become a lot more strategic. And I think the two reasons for that are, number one, I think software has actually become a lot better on the compliance side, and that has freed up a lot of time. So 
So it used to be the case that managing the employee database and record was difficult. Payroll used to take time. Managing benefits was difficult. Um, doing 401k plans, benefits, and all this stuff has gotten so automated. Um, you know, for example, here at Lattice, we're about 50 people, and we're able to use one, you know, sort of modern back office HR tool to all of these things, and it doesn't really take much time. So that's one piece of it. But I think the sort of more secular trend side is there's been an actual shift in employees' options. And so if you look at, say, two decades ago compared to today, every trend has gone in employees' favor. So there's more information online. We've got access to LinkedIn and all of these jobs that we didn't used to have. All of these things have sort of conspired to make it such that employees are able to have more options than they did in the past, in the past and they're able to get exposure to those. And so I think it's a really good thing. But what it does mean is that companies have to work harder to attract and retain talent than they ever did before. So, you know, in a city like San Francisco, any of our engineers could walk out the door and get a job offer probably by the end of the day. And that is a dynamic that we used to exist uh, in the world. And so companies just have to rethink people practices. So out of necessity, because talent, because talent is so important in a world where most companies are built off of IP and are built off of So let's talk about the implications of that, you know, especially as it relates to performance management, right? I think the way you just framed it of moving to a more human-centered approach is is the right way to think about it. I think, you know, this is the case in a lot of portions of the talent value stack. But if we look closely at performance management as an example, you notice a couple of things. At the micro level, the value prop doesn't really mesh between employers and employees. I think more importantly, though, at the macro level, the actual intent has changed over time, right? So performance management historically was a process to usher low performers out of an organization and justify comp. But now I think it's a lot more about development, right, as you were talking about. And so if you take the historical use case, I think it ties closely to the sentiments that employees traditionally have about performance management, right? Negative perception, anxiety-inducing, pretty black box. Um, but when you take that shift into account, there's there's kind of different sort of sentiments or different sorts of feelings that, that emerge. So what are the mindset shifts you're seeing in the space with how leaders are thinking about performance management today? So, yeah, it's great timing. I think, um, I think the way I see it is that there's been a bit of a pendulum swing that has actually come back to the center. And so the pendulum swing that I see is before... Before we had the introduction of continuous performance management of any kind, we had hierarchical structures, we had annual performance reviews, annual goal setting. It was very much about ratings and compensation, evaluation, as you mentioned. So you know, one of the things that I think you might have been referencing was the way that Jack Walsh talked about you know, the bottom 10% of the organization would get promotions, and, uh, or top 10 would get promotions, and the bottom 10% would get let go. And I think that framework be present in a lot of places, but performance management is at its core evaluation tool. Around 2010, 11, 12, we actually saw the sort of, you know, 
management, we need to completely shift our mindset and move to continuous feedback. We need a mindset where all we do is employee development, where these conversations happen in that hot way. We get rid of this high anxiety situation, and we're just going to go to complete continuous feedback. I think what happens is the sort of interim time between then and now, in the, you know, in the last maybe eight years, is people saw that it didn't really work. So you you can't completely get rid of the evaluation side. You actually do still need that to have a healthy environment, a place where great work is recognized, a place where people know that if they accomplish things, they will be able to succeed. But it's become extremely obvious that you need to develop the piece. So if 360 feedback isn't there to help employees grow or if people don't feel like their managers are having for their interest, um, people will also sort of look for junior pastures. So I think the way it has settled out and what I believe will be the future of performance management is a holistic system that does both evaluation pieces and development pieces. I think more time should be spent on the development side. I do think you still want evaluation to happen, you know, on perhaps annual cadence, but um, I think it's important to have both, and I think that that is where the sort of steady state settle up will be around so let's talk about Lattice a little bit more, right? Um, you know, obviously a solution to performance management. I think I think going forward probably much more, right? Um, but before I cede the floor, I will say I, I like to think about you know what your product is doing to annual reviews is what startups do to incumbent businesses, right? Ingesting this sort of dynamism into a historically static practice. So talk a little bit more about you know Lattice and and how um, you know that the the product is is kind of tackling the problem in the space. Yeah, I think dynamism is a great word. I think the, the ideal scenario would be that you got to, you know, December or January and it was performance review time and you didn't have to do any work because all of the feedback that you've given throughout the year is right there, all of the goals and how they've been met is right there. You can look back at your one on one, you can look at how that was feeling, you'd have all of this information there and it's almost a sort of drag and drop and get you type of game. I don't think that you know, we're there yet, but I do think that Lattice is designed for that sort of system. So, adding components like um, quarterly check-ins, that's something that you can do inside of Lattice, and then you can, you know, refer back to those at the end of the year. Things like goal setting or continuous feedback or one-on-one, all of these things are meant to sort of, you know, hit the old one-on-one or the old uh, performance review uh, with a hammer, break it up into little pieces and spread them out through the year. That's more effective, it's less anxiety producing, it's frequency device produced. There's all these issues why that's better. And so I think what Lattice has done is come in and offer companies a solution that sort of meets them, meets them where they're at and says, you know, we know that you both want to have performance conversations, we want talent development, we want to do these different management um, practices throughout the year in different ways and giving you one So that's Yeah, and it's a really interesting time, I think, to be working on the problem specifically due to, to market timing, right? So we, we talked a little bit about it, you know, and what's going on in the market. Um, but I see it a lot in my work, frankly, at McKinsey, that every company now is understanding that they're above all in a people business, right? And the leverage equation and the war for talent, as you mentioned, right, an employee, an engineer could walk out the door and have a job. The leverage equation in, in the war for talent is just increasingly shifting towards employees. So if you are in a great place to work, you know, or engaging in training people, you'll see a direct impact to your talent win rate, you know, which is a big lever in driving productivity. 
which is a big lever in driving your top and bottom line. And I think it's also actually having an impact, in, in my experience, in the personas of the modern CHRO. You're seeing a lot more folks with traditional business backgrounds or even backgrounds in analytics and statistics as opposed to folks that have, you know, 30 years of domain expertise. And then, you know, on the technology side, we're obviously, we're in the world of Slack, right? Which I use as a microcosm, again, for dynamism as opposed to static latent processes. So what are you hearing, you know, most from CHROs or heads of people, you know, types when you talk about Lattice? So I think that uh, this, this notion of people being a core asset I think that is starting to be appreciated in a way that it was only given lip service to. Um, and I think that that is sort of the core understanding. I think as, a, as an industry, we still have a ways to go in terms of establishing obvious ROI on these things. And at the end of the day, that becomes an important part of the equation. But there have been good studies and there have been sort of good um, pieces of research and analysis done that it's it is a huge number. So there was one that comes to mind is greenhouse content around the concept of employee lifetime value, ELTV. And the idea was that if you keep an employee engaged and retained um, for several years as opposed to, you know, the sort of Silicon Valley average of two years, what's that difference? And people looked at it and it wasn't like 50 or 100,000. It was like a million and point three dollars. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah. really different. Um, the value to the company. Um, it's like really, really substantial. And I think I think we are starting, uh, we as a sort of as a people industry are starting to be able to articulate this better. Um, and I think that is sort of showing the investment tools, processes, management coaching and structure and all these things that in the past were looked at looked at as luxury goods are now starting to be looked at as table stakes to be competitive. And I think that is that's an amazing thing. It's good for employees, good for companies going to be good for consumers. Um, I think that's the direction. I think where we still have room to grow is to get clearer in our articulation of these things and clearer about how we can show the value. But I think people are starting to believe it, see it, and inherently understand it. Yeah, I think the ROI kind of push that you were making is an interesting one because I think there's a couple of things, right? I think one, we used to live in a world where it was actually very difficult to quantify some of these things. I come from a legal background and the stats, you know, the legal industry is notoriously terrible for retention and training and, and such job satisfaction. And I was reading a report the other day, which was saying the average 400 person law firm on an involuntary attrition basis loses something to the tune of you know $25 million plus a year in productivity gains, you know, lost knowledge on client relationships, et cetera, all because performance management and people management isn't thought through kind of as a, as a strategic lever. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting, I think, I think companies are starting to really get their kind of uh, minds around, around this issue. Um, and again, I think it's a subset of a little bit of this, this kind of war for talent. So let's, let's dive into the product, right? You have two products, you have performance and you have engagement and let's, let's discuss both, but let's discuss performance first. Um, I think performance has a, you know, a very elegant design intimately meets what I think are the front-end needs of users, managers, you know, C-level folks. To talk a little bit more about the different features, the chronology of which features you developed and rolled out, and then you know, ultimately why these were the features that added the most value to organizations. Yeah, so, so the component parts today of performance management um, are four things. There's goals, um, there are weekly one-on-ones, there are performance reviews, and there's continuous feedback. 
the ability to set and share um, objectives or personal goals. Performance reviews are 360s or they're just manager reviews. There's a lot of customization on them, but those are sort of the familiar reviews that we've seen. Um, weekly one-on-ones are basically a shared agenda with context around it that you can sort of look through over time and um, have on your mobile and all of these things that you would want around a one-on-one application, but that correspond to things like feedback and goals. Um, and then finally, there's continuous feedback, which is basically the ability to give or receive any feedback at any time. It can post it in Slack, you can give it in Gmail, um, it'll pull back into performance reviews to reduce recency bias. And the whole concept of these sort of four components is that they should all talk to each other, they should enrich each other, um, and they should be simple and enjoyable. So that's what we've got today. But the chronology, um, the chronology is interesting uh, for sort of a um, for, for a sort of you know, a wonky perspective, I suppose. But the way that we got here um, three years ago, when we just started the company, uh, my co-founder Eric and I we had worked together at Teespring, and the first problem that we solved when we got to the goal, the idea was that you were going to be able to see, share. Um, and line goals throughout your company, company goals, department goals, team goals, individuals, and you'll able to see this beautiful sort of tree of how they all connected to each other. Um, it turned out that people were really interested in it, but it didn't work. Um, and what I mean by didn't work is it didn't allow us to build a business around it. It wasn't retaining users. It wasn't really um, getting past the initial interest phase for most customers. And so we knew we had to keep expanding. And so sort of nine months into our, our journey there, we realized, we need to build out. There's more that our customers are asking for. So what we did next was essentially a weekly one-on-one, um, a question and answer product that allows you to ask questions, get feedback, and sort of share that between the And that was a really interesting part for us because we didn't um, get sort of an explosive business around it. And what we did get was an engagement. And we hadn't seen that before. And so that took us off that employee feedback was actually very important. Um, and so we knew that we were onto something more than gold, but it still wasn't quite enough. Um, and that led to the conversations around performance management. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of the company as we know it today when we launched uh, performance reviews about a year after um, starting the company. And that sort of, that hit the market right at a time when people needed it. And there wasn't a lot of good software out there when people didn't have answers to this and were reverting to Google Docs for 200 employees. Um, and we kind of came to the market at the time and when it was new and needed, and, and that was kind of how that was kind of how the uh, current incarnation of that got started. A few months later, we added continuous feedback as sort of an additional feature, which today has actually become one of the most popular, but that was to sort of meet the needs of how can we help people give each other feedback when it's not just your um, And then from there, from the subsequent year and some months, we just built those features. So we had we've gotten to a baseline that we knew the market wanted. Um, we were getting tons of customer demand and inbound, and it kind of just became a race to keep up and to get the product to a point where we could serve, you know, large companies, small companies alike, and, you know, proudly know that the service was rock solid and that people could rely on it. Um, so that was, that, that, that's kind of how we got to the well, so it's interesting because it, it almost sounds like when you actually walk through that chronology, right, and I'm kind of playing it back in my head as a perspective user, let's call it, it feels to me that you start with goals, which is something that, you know, I can, 
I definitely see the importance too, but it's not necessarily something that's going to continue to draw me back to the product, right? And I think the natural kind of instance of setting goals is folks are used to doing it either on a quarterly basis, whatever it might be. So it's kind of a set and forget. Um, But then as you started building out some of the other things, the weekly one-on-ones, there's more cadence there, right? So there's reason to go into the platform. Continuous feedback, which, you know, I think we completely live in a in a culture and a world of people wanting more and more feedback and more continually. And, and that's both informal as well as formal, but especially from the informal perspective, you're giving people more and more reason to go back into the platform. And then you kind of hockey sticked out the other way, which was once you started to build the things, the features into the platform that you had a reason to kind of go into on a routine basis, you, you kind of lift it up on a macro basis of, you know, quarterly reviews, annual reviews, et cetera. Um, is that an accurate kind of description or, um, or is that, was that, was that kind of, did that kind of line of thinking come in as you guys were building the product or you had a different vision? Um, no, I mean, I think that, that's a fair way to describe it. The funny thing with entrepreneurship starting these companies is that the way that you describe it looking back is these sort of neat packages and it's got a story and it, it, it sort of has cohesion to it. Well, it's happening that you're just trying to survive. You know, you're just trying to build anything that people want badly enough that they will pay you for it, even if it's not perfect. So, a lot of the early stage, you know, now we have the sort of ground under us where we can sort of think ahead and where we can plan for the future. At the beginning, you're just trying to get anything at all that people that people care to use, um, that people you know desperately need. I, I remember um, when we switched. Uh, from you know the original sort of goals and that one-on-one piece, and then when we launched with you, I remember thinking, "Wow, it used to be the case that people were so nice to us, and they would just say well, it's really cool, uh, but they wouldn't pay us anything." And then when we launched performance reviews, all of a sudden people, customers were yelling at us, couldn't we get this picture shipped? But they were happily paying, and so that you know, I was, I, I learned to love the fact that, that customers were frustrated and um, that things weren't working well because that they, they cared about something. So early on, it was, you know, at the time, it was more of a, you do, you know, you do whatever it is that you think is possible to get you any traction, any foothold into a market at all, um, and, then, and then you sort of grow and make the best decisions you can from there. Um, so I think looking back, your framing is, is accurate, but definitely at the time, you're sort of doing doing the startup thing and doing whatever you can to, to get this yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense, right? It is a little bit of the fortuitous, like Monday morning quarterback, or you can put the narrative around it. But no, I I wholly appreciate it. Um, talk talk a little bit more about you know you you've uh, so performance is working, right? It's got its different components, right? Um, talk a little bit more about engagement, right? You guys just launched that recently. Yeah. I like to think of it as kind of the back end powerhouse engine that really only works if performance works well, right? And you know, with all the data hosted on one platform, everything you capture, you really just have the ability to, I think, go deep analytically in almost an infinite, you know, set of ways, right? And start asking really interesting questions at scale around, you know, development, retention, attrition, all, all sorts of different things. So talk a little bit more, you know, talk a little bit more about engagement. Yeah, so engagement is this really fascinating aspect of both software and people management to the practice. Um, basically, when we talk about employee engagement in this context, what we're what we're really talking about is surveys, employee engagement surveys, where you ask your employees a bunch of questions around drivers of engagement. So there might be things like feeling connected to the mission, 
how you feel like your manager cares about you and your growth, um, whether you feel like leadership has the company's best interest in mind, whether you feel like you belong as part of the culture, all these different things that drive engagement. You ask a bunch of questions around them, and then you can get this data back and you can visualize it in all these rich ways. So you can see how engaged your engineering team is, or the people who joined in the last six months versus the people who joined three years ago, or um, how are the people in that different office so you can get all of the data back that allows you to then follow up with more questions and more understanding and then try to make decisions around culture that will help us become more engagement. So we recognize the wild fact that performance and engagement were inextricably tied. So we deeply believe that when you feel better, you do better work. And we also believe that when you do better work, it actually leads to doing better. So, um, both performance and engagement drive the other one up in this room, either virtuous cycle or kind of vicious downward spiral, um, depending on sort of where, where which direction the energy is going. And so we've always believed that we weren't able to build it for a while just because of sort of organizational bandwidth and working on the existing product and all these things. But we eventually got to a point earlier this year where we had sort of enough people at the company, enough confidence that this was an important product that we could deliver well to our customer base, um, and that we sort of set out to, to build it. So we spent um, a lot of this year working on that product. We just launched it. Um, we did a beta over the summer, and then you know, we publicly launched it um, a month or two ago. Um, and the idea there is that we wanted to offer a solution that combines these two really important people practices, performance management and employee engagement into one system. So there's sort of two sides to why we want to do that. One was just logistically. Um, talking to our buyers is amazing how much selling we deal with. The amount of staff that people consume has gone through the roof, and this is, this is a great thing. Software is powerful, it accelerates companies, um, but it becomes unmanageable. So we believe that if we can provide our customers more, if we can give them more threat, if we can offer them more solutions, Place, it makes their lives easier and there's real value there. And then on the other side, we saw that nobody in the market had connected performance and engagement because we always live in the system. So there's great providers in each, but nobody did both. So we came to the sort of conclusion that if we could offer them in one place, we'd be able to drive insights that would be totally unique. So things like how are my top performers feeling is actually really useful information. So if I see low engagement, but it turns out that the way that my high performance and my low performance are feeling is wildly divergent. That's actually going to impact the business, I think. So these are the sorts of insights we want to uncover, the sorts of ways we want to help companies, uh, and that, that, that's kind of what, what brought us to this. And so what have been, you know, what have been some of the challenges you've gone through in, in building the product and, you know, on the performance side, but especially, I think, on the engagement side? You know, I think the best products are the ones that look incredibly simple, right? Uber, press a button, get a ride. But they're actually super complex on the back end. And you know, I can imagine a lot of the kind of design choices you guys must have gone through and are, and are still going through, frankly, right? Um, you know, thinking through the tension between what's good for an individual user versus what's good for, for a team. Historical HR practices have centered around the individual, but a lot of best practice organizations are shifting to think you know, about team concepts. What have been the biggest challenges as, as you guys have been building engagement? So it's an insightful question. You actually just honed on what I think is the core product challenge for us and for any company in this sort of space, which is that you serve multiple constituents. You have 
employees, you have managers, you have executives, you have admins, and you need all this future richness, but you still need a product that employees love to use so that you'll actually get value from this role. Um, and so those tensions are, I think, why it's important to work with a software provider that just over that sort of problem all day. Um, they're where one can differentiate, they're also where one can get tripped up. Um, and so, so we, we think and talk about that a lot. There's no silver bullet to this, there's no easy answer, and this will never be solved. For as long as Lattice um, lives, it will always be the case that we are fighting the attention. Um, but what we can do is have clarity around it, we can build principles, and it's, it's a practice, something you get better at all the time. How do we, how do we simultaneously add feature richness? How do we add the ability to change your anonymity settings, to export your results to you know, different data formats, and how do we make it so that you can change your questions and survey particular subsets of groups and all of these things while making the user experience simpler over time. And that's, that's a challenge. Um, it takes just work. It takes sort of a product team that's obsessed with craftsmanship and focusing on these things. And I don't know that I have even a tip sort of worth mentioning because it's so many little things in so many different ways, but knowing that that's the problem is the first step and then sort of designing a product organization that, that cares about that, that puts that at the forefront and is extremely obsessed with sort of customers is, is the only way that I know of. No, I, I think it makes, I think that your framing is, is exactly right. I think it's a very complex, hairy challenge. And, and I'm curious, you know, what's your vision, you know, for the platform to continue to provide deeper value as well as your broader vision for people analytics in the future of work as you guys kind of continue to evolve as an organization? And I know that's a really big and loaded question, but I think in part it's especially interesting because from a practical perspective, the HR software space specifically is hyper-fragmented, right? And I, I, I empathize with the very real challenge of customers having, you know, almost an endless amount of SaaS products that they're trying to integrate and connect together. And, and you guys, in some sense, stand at the core of all that, right? If we, if we believe the premise and the assumption that, you know, people and kind of assets are at the, at the core of any enterprise. So how are you, you know, what's the, what's the kind of thought process of, you know, engagement V2 or, or the next set of products, um, you know, insofar as obviously publicly available, but how are you thinking about that? So I would describe it in sort of two frameworks. Mm-hmm. The first is that we think in terms of the employee's chronology of the company. So the employee journey and life cycle from the day they start to the day they leave, what are the touch points where labs can improve employee experience? Where can we make sure that the management touch points are very strong, rock solid. How can we strengthen culture at any point in the journey? So obviously performance management is part of it and employee is part of it, but thinking in terms of that chronology is a really critical part of understanding what the future will hold for, for, for a product. And then the other framework that I think is really interesting is one that um, has been sort of uh, proposed by our head of design, uh, Jared Ron, who has been major goal to sort of play the product from the beginning. And he likes to think flat of sort of three the first, which is the phase we're in, is the um, data collection phase. And what we mean by that is answering performance reviews, filling out feedback, um, doing engagement surveys, all these sorts of things where you collect information, set goals, all that sort of stuff. The next sort of phase of the rocket is going to be around visualizing all that data. So, of course, we already have reporting and charts, but how can we make that data rich? How can we make it, you can see how it connects with each other, how cool you know, tied to reviews, which tied to engagement, um, how feedback and you know impacts how employees are feeling each week. What happens between one-on-one and their impact on engagement or goals? All these sorts of connective things. 
next phase of the rocket is to visualize this stuff. Um, and then the last phase, and this is something that we aspire to in the future, is how can we not just collect your information and show it back to you, but how can we encourage you to be better? Like, what are the small ways in which we can show you here are small steps you can take today, big steps you can take this quarter, um, transformations you can take this year? What are the areas where we can help people be better um, managers, better employees? Um, and so that, that sort of future phase is the dream where we can where we can sort of be an accelerant to culture. Um, so those, those are the kind of ways and so as you're thinking through, so I like that framing. I like thinking through kind of almost the, the value the value chain, right, of how an employee goes through an organization. Who, and, I, and I'm sure this the answer to this next question evolves kind of over a period of time, right, with additional functionality or additional touch points throughout that value chain. But who in present state, especially with the launch of engagement, um, who are the types of customers that you found, you know, lattice to have the most impact for? You know, if I, if I think across the spectrum of sophistication. I could see the argument for why this works well virtually across the stack, right? With incredibly nascent companies, sub 10 people, you don't want to over-engineer any sort of process, but you still need a forum to capture clarity, roles, and responsibility. And I think the majority of that value truly comes from the 80-20 rule. But, you know, as you become a hyperscale organization, like you were at a Teespring, right? A lot more of the robust and programmatic features start to add value. So talk a little bit more about your experience working with companies you know, of different sizes um, and, and where the value really leaks out for uh, companies of different, uh, organizations of different sizes? Yeah, so we have about 800 customers today, um, and they sort of span a size range from 30 on the very small end to um, a few thousand on the very large end. Um, and I think what we have found is that when you are a really small company, you don't really need this type of software. It might help a little bit, but it's not critical. You can get that without it. People are in the same room. They share the understanding of the mission and uh, the vision for the company. People kind of know what everybody's working on. Um, you might even be able to stand up and see everybody at your company at once. And so at that phase, it's less critical. Um, but as you approach 50 people or 75 people, things really start to break. Um, and you can at that point choose, am I going to really let this fire burn until... I have no choice but to put it out, or am I going to get ahead of this? And I think more and more companies are choosing to get ahead of that. And so for that reason, we're seeing a lot of companies that are, you know, around our size and about 50 people who want to invest in their stuff early, and it really helps a lot. It means that, you know, by the time you're 100, half of your employees have already been doing this for a long time. This is their sort of third cycle of performance reviews. They've been giving feedback, and they do their one-on-ones. And so building that institutional knowledge early, I think, is something that we're seeing more of. I do still think that there is a sense in which larger uh, companies um, are able to utilize the more complicated features of ladder. So the more nuanced reporting matters a lot more if you're 500 people than if you're 50 people. Um, seeing the connection between, um, you know, imagining the connection between recruiting and engagement um, or performance. You look at these sort of like long-term employee life cycle sort of things, and you start to see that you just don't put enough data at a small company and that people have better visibility just to go work. So I think there is this natural sense in which larger companies are able to derive more value from lattice and smaller ones, but I think that the, the beginning of where value is being received um, has gotten lower, and so at smaller and smaller companies, people are able to derive value from this kind Some of our happiest customers are 25 people, and that's because they care about this stuff, they want the foundation to grow. Um, and if you're willing to invest in it, it's 
can't think of an example where it doesn't help to have Yep. No, that makes complete sense. And I'm curious if you, you know, if you adjust for size, have you found a difference between, you know, companies that don't have any process versus companies that have an existing process, right? Have you seen differing levels of impact or, you know, that very well might just be a false dichotomy and sophistication of process as a second order observation? Well, it's a good question. Um, it is certainly the case that our customers have a higher glass door score than the average glass door score, but it's hard to prove that that's causation. So the companies that care in the first place are more likely to adopt a tool like Lattice than companies that are not focused on employee engagement and um, you know, continuous development and these sorts of things. So I don't know yet. I mean, we definitely strongly believe that we're influencing it, but I don't know that we yet have, you know, a sort of statistically airtight data set that proves it. Um, but anecdotally, we certainly believe it's very true. From our own experience being, you know, a customer of ourselves, we, we know it's true. Um, so I think that I think that it is it is certainly correlated, and we believe it's positive. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna talk about. Uh, kind of you guys as a customer of yourself also a little bit before right before that though I, I am curious to hear your thoughts on the impact you know lattice is systemat- systematically having on organizational culture right so I think we talked a little bit about you know directly as a point solution or you know tightened within a function the utility of lattice um, but I'm curious if we if we bring it up even to the macro level of org culture um, and I point that out because I think unlike many use cases for software, the technology here really is the first step, right? So without back-end application, without a cultural environment to host it in, the effect of the platform is is minimized. And I, I also imagine a lot of the value of Lattice might not just be in the software at deployment scale, but really even in the upfront part of gathering leaders around the organization, around the table, right? To do the initial work on alignment, setting goals, et cetera. So talk a little bit more about um, you know Lattice, how Lattice, how you perceive Lattice is you know systematically having impact on org culture. So there was this really good tweet I saw from Patrick Collison from Stripe recently that was essentially him saying that there's all of this latent recognition, there's all these positive things in people's heads that don't get shared, um, and it's this free source of um, engagement and feeling good and um, you know sharing sharing positive vibes to the world and uh, making people want to continue to do great work. People don't share it. And so one of the cool things that's happened is Lattice has sort of, you know, grown to, you know, a, a big enough space that we occasionally meet strangers who, who use Lattice in our, in our daily lives. We saw a candidate for a role at Lattice the other day who had been at a company that was using Lattice and she shared with us how the Slack praise integration mm. and how the fact that when people share positive recognition, it posts Slack. She was trying to how to change their culture. Um, and it was really cool to hear an authentic story like that. But, um, it used to not be the case that there was anything like this. And then the introduction of Lattice, one of the things that happened was people started publicly giving each other recognition for good work in a way that the whole company could see, could you know, share emoji reactions on, comment on. And it created a culture where that was part of the fabric of it. And so I think that's really powerful. I don't think you want to take positive feedback. But so much of what we crave as humans is acknowledgement and recognition from one another. We want to know that when we sort of poke at the world, something's happening, that um, what we do matters every day. And so it's such a great free um, venue for this stuff, and it just builds better relationships and all of these things. So you know, there's, there's other examples of this, too, through other parts of the product, but those are the sorts of things that we can see in tangible ways, I think, we can drive towards um, through, towards different cultures that sort of a, 
you know, industry-wide level by having these sorts of projects. I really like that framing because I think there's two components to it, right? One, I think, is the actual underlying kind of latent um, uh, latent piece um, that's that's there in employees, right? Just the ability to give kind of praise, et cetera. But then the other piece is where you know a product like Lattice comes in, which is needing to have an actual venue or a forum. So if I'm if I'm thinking kind of agnostic of a, a world agnostic of Lattice or a product like it. Right. It's very hard to do that over, you know, email threads, right, or this, that, and the other. Or you can do it routinely at all hands, but, you know, it's not just in time, right, or the context might not actually be there. So I think it's interesting because I think there's multiple components of it. I, I also, I find it interesting from the perspective of, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, which is, you know, what's the most surprising thing you've learned from the deployment of Lattice into your own organization, right? How has it impacted your culture? There's a lot of customer stories, but how have you seen kind of a step change or ha- have you seen a step change, you know, in your company itself? I think um, sort of like that story I just told about praise, I think we've had a similar experience with that, um, where it's become a sort of integral part of the way that people, not just in sort of recognition, but even know what others are up to. So sharing these wins in a public way is a great kind of connective tissue for people to see what's going on at the company and to know, you know, that that person who I haven't talked to in a few weeks who's had their headphones on, like, look at the thing. So I think that's been one cool piece is the way in which um, public praise not just serves as a feel-good mechanism, um, but it also serves as information sharing. So I think that's really cool. I think on the performance management side, I think we we obsess over management a lot here, um, which I think is, is a really fortunate thing. And, of course, that's going to be expected given sort of the area that we work in. But we do performance reviews twice a year, and it's amazing to see that people ask, can we do the more So, you know, on one hand, doing all of this feedback is it's quite a lot of work, and, you know, if you're, particularly if you're in one of the critical sort of roles that touches a lot of different parts of the company, like, you know, a leader of a customer success team, or, you know, a product management leader, or um, any of these roles that are very cross-functional, you can end up having to do a lot of peer reviews. But people find a lot of value uh, here and people, you know, we attract a type of person I suppose, that wants this feedback and seeks growth. And so I've been surprised at how much employees seem to value those processes and want that feedback. And so I think that's something that we've been pleasantly surprised by is that although it's something that is in a process that generally people people dread performance management has already been one of the people's least favorite parts of the work. Managed to build a place where, you know, maybe it's not the thing that people want to do every single day, but it's just something that they that they respect and that they value and that they that they care about giving. So I think um, I don't know if that's a function of the type of company we are, or if that's using our own product, but um, that's been the other thing that I that I really appreciated is people's desire to get feedback. Yeah, I also assume as you know, as kind of a mission driven company, right? I think the best companies, the best startups are the ones that are hyper mission driven in, in part, frankly, because it attracts kind of the world's talent or the folks that want to focus on that type of problem. So I would imagine there's absolutely a higher just base standard deviation of folks that want to work at Lattice and, and the relationship between that and wanting feedback. Um, but I think yeah, that's right. Right. Um, but I think it's emblematic and I think it's especially interesting because, you know, and a, as a final question to this conversation, I think it, uh, it relates, which is, you know, having observed the product throughout your own organization, yes, but seeing it deployed at hundreds of other organizations, 
if you had to pick, you know, one culture enhancing practice or tactic, you know, most companies should implement, you know, what would you suggest that be from your observations over the last, you know, three years? So, I mean, instead of suggesting a particular tactic, I'm going to suggest a thing to optimize for, um, which is, I think that cultural things that optimize for building out of work relationships is really, really important. Um, when people have a relationship outside of the context of their day-to-day, there's two things. One is it builds trust. And so when you know somebody and you grow to trust them and you have multiple experiences with them and you sort of see the complexity of their character and the facets of their personality, trust enables good feedback. And so it's really hard to give candid, critical feedback to somebody who doesn't believe that you have their interest in mind. But if you can have a relationship that isn't just transactional, you're much more likely to have the type of dynamic where you can give and share critical feedback and that's a type of growth. The other benefit of having people sort of build friendships outside of um, just, just in professional interaction, is it makes people have one more reason to care. Um, hopefully people love the particular work that they do. Hopefully people love our mission. Hopefully um, you know, pe- people find value in that, that. But having coworkers that you don't want to let down, that you want to be succeed and that you want to build up, that is just one more reason why people will give their best to their work. Um, it's a huge driver of employee engagement. It also, I, you know, obviously we believe that leads to better performance, and so that um, that that cultural direction of how can we how can we foster trust in relationships outside of just kind of the constraints of the office place, I think that is one of the most powerful things to do. Well, Jack, this has been a really interesting conversation. I, I personally learned a lot on performance management, so you know I'm glad you were able to make the time. You know, thanks again for joining us, and really enjoyed having you on. My pleasure.